0: What's up guys and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie and I'm Alex and together we are F&A Van Life
1: This is the podcast where every week we bring you news to the nomadic community or interviews with other nomads So that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road And
0: we got a banger this week for you guys
1: this week We polled our Instagram community. If you're not following us on Instagram, be sure to go check it out It's F&A Van Life over there and we asked what do you want to know about van life? Hear that?
0: Which is super important, you know, to get the information out there. If we could source your what you guys want to know, we could give you exactly what you're looking for here on the podcast.
1: Yeah. And so that's always our goal here to give you information so that you can make the best choices about whether you want to live van life or not, how you're living life on the road, get tips for, you know, how to live life better on the road.
0: Speaking of the road, what's the update of our life on the road right now, Alex?
1: Well, I feel like for the ultimate update from the road. You're going to have to come and check out our YouTube channel today. We are dropping a video of a secret that we've been keeping from you for a very long time.
0: Basically, we're dropping a bomb.
1: Dropping a bomb.
0: Dropping a bomb. Just it's going to keep go. throwing it. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good sound effect. That was a really good bomb. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I've been practicing my bomb noises. <laughs> I was wondering what that noise yeah. in the bathroom was. <laughs> yeah when, yeah when you don't when I'm not around you is what I do it obviously. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. poop yeah. and drop bombs. Well, wow, it's kind of like a, doing the same thing at the same time. Every
1: time you go, you just <laughs> let it.
0: okay. yeah, sorry. okay. back <laughs> onto the topic. Uh, let's stop talking about my poop. Actually, that's one of the questions that we got today, of course, because, you know, what's van life talk without a little bit of poop talk? Yeah. But a life update. What's going on? Where are we at?
1: Well, so we're in Canada. We crossed the border early, About it's almost been a week since we crossed the border. And we were a little bit worried because of immigration statuses and things like that. And were they going to let us in? Were they not? And uh, it all went pretty smoothly, actually.
0: Yeah, it did. It went really well. Uh, you know, they they always stop me at the border for whatever reason. Maybe I have like a little <laughs> asterisk next to my name or something that says, make sure you pull this guy over. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was really super smooth and simple. And I don't think if we didn't have certain things going on, um, i don't think we would have got stopped i think they would be like all right welcome to the country have a good time you know but just because of the the things we have happening um yeah that that's the reason why it took a little bit longer than usual
1: yeah they were very nice though
0: yeah but we are now at alex's parents house kind of staying in like their airbnb downstairs while we rebuild this uh fixer-upper of a 1985 (laughs) Toyota Sun Raider that we have. And uh, we've also got a couple other projects that we're going to be doing while we're here um, just to get ourselves all set up and ready to go uh, for what's to come in this near future.
1: Yeah, so come check us out on YouTube. The video also drops today. Uh, It's FNA Van Life on there as well, and we're excited to share the big news.
0: Alex, before we get into this podcast, I got to ask you, like, how does it feel to be back home? And for the fact that we're going to be here for, like, a pretty good amount of time. Like, last time we were here, it was only a month, but definitely going to be here longer than a month this time.
1: Yeah, well, so with the build and everything that we have going on, it's definitely going to be a little while. I feel like right now we're kind of just in the, like, the honeymoon phase, if you will, because we showed up. Everyone's excited to see us. We've got, like... You know, we went and visited my sister, we've been hanging out with my parents, we're going to go see some friends this weekend, like, so right now it's just kind of, it's been over a year and a half since we were here for just that visit that we came for the month. So it's definitely, it's good to be home. It's nice to be here in the summer because we've never been here in the summer before.
0: It's gorgeous here. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous.
1: Yeah. And by here we mean Prince Edward County County. In Ontario.
0: We're not going to give you an exact location, but that's kind of (laughs) close.
1: It's a pretty big area. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just the the sunsets um, that you have here are pretty glorious. You know, every day it seems to be just like another amazing sunset after another amazing sunset. Mm -hmm. Last night we had this like beautiful red you know, sunset. It was it was pretty spectacular. <laughs> I'm going to say sunset like six more times. Instead so.
1: of a bird nerd, you're going to be a sunset nerd?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a nerd of whatever's happening. <laughs> Is, you know? Like, and by that, I mean like nature. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Or uh, sports. All right. So let's get into today's episode. Of course, if you guys enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave a five-star review wherever you listen. It super helps the podcast grow, reach new people, reach new nomads. So if you do enjoy the show, Paco's shaking for you. He's like,
0: Oh, uh, don't do that. No walking here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into this first question. But Frank, you're going to have to pull it up because I cannot understand how to find it.
0: Oh, OK. So what you do is uh, you're you're in the wrong spot, I think. You click this and then you go to archive and in action. We'll start on mine because mine was the first story. All right, Alex, this is a question that you probably know more of. And I think we we did really good at like keeping this at first. And now I don't think we're as great at it. But uh, what is your monthly expenses like on the road?
1: Mm. So that's a great question. And it's definitely going to vary for everybody, whether you're solo, whether you're a couple, whether you're a family. Um, so if you're just planning on getting on the road, I would do a breakdown of what you're currently spending. So figure out you know, obviously your fixed expenses like rent and things like that, which will hopefully go away, but they might be replaced with a car payment. Um, but then you also want to look at how much money do you spend on groceries? How much money do you spend on eating at restaurants? How much money do you spend on your gym membership and your cell phone and, you know, all of those little costs. So if you figure all of that out before you even move into a van, then you can kind of see, okay, well, My hydro bill is going to go away, but then my gas bill is probably going to go up. And then the way that you can figure your gas bill out is figure out how many miles per gallon your vehicle gets and then decide how much you want to drive in a month. If you only have a budget to spend one tank of gas a month, then figure out where that one tank of gas is going to take you. And you're going to have to map out the miles and like see where you want to go. Um, But for us at the beginning...
0: You're, you're going to wind up here in Paco every once in a while <laughs> squeaking at toys nope. But just to like add to that a little bit, babe Um, I would even go as far as to say is like every, like It's going to vary for who you are, like you said in the beginning But I think that some people like to eat out a lot, you know So the person that's going to eat out a lot, obviously like eating out is extremely expensive in the United States now At least it seems like that to me Well, I
1: think it's expensive everywhere But also yeah. if you think about it, like in Olive, which was our last van. We hardly ever ate out, only as like a treat or something like that. But now that we've been traveling in Sunny, the kitchen setup is so terrible that we don't want to cook in the van. Yeah. So if you have a van that's not really set up for cooking, then maybe your eating out budget is going to be a little bit higher.
0: Yeah, I would I would say like when we first got in the van, our monthly expenses was probably around like fifteen hundred for both to, of us to two thousand dollars for both of us, or about a thousand dollars a person. Yeah. And now it's probably close to like. 33000 30, like 3500 3000 a while i would say just because like the price of gas and like things like that have went up significantly and we've been traveling a lot faster lately you know we haven't really well,
1: been well let's not even take that into account because like our drive from costa rica to uh, California, it costs like $1,000.
0: Yeah. so but, And we
1: did that in like two weeks.
0: What I'm saying, it all depends on like how you're traveling. Right. But what I will say is that you really should break down your budget like you were talking about, but I would even make categories for like how much money you want to spend, you know, as per your budget. So say you have a $2,000 budget and you want to break it down, you can say, okay, I'll spend $500 in gas. So mm-hmm. you can only really, you only really want to drive for that month, $500 worth of fuel. You know, because you still need to have I would say have like one hundred dollars just in case of repairs. That way you could move that hundred dollars over every single month Mm -hmm. because then that gives you the money to have. You know, if you do have a breakdown or something, you have the money in the bank because you've been on the road for Mm -hmm. six, seven months.
1: Well, that's 700 bucks. You You need an emergency fund before you get on the road. So like for us, we budgeted that we would spend a thousand dollars each per month for every month that we were going to travel. And then we also had a slush fund that was just like a lump of cash
0: mm-hmm.
1: just sitting there. Yeah. Just in case. And we ended up needing it a fair bit because we had tons of breakdowns in Lolo.
0: Yeah. So, like, to break it down, that'd be like the m- most minimal style. I think it would be like, Cell phone because obviously everybody has a cell phone nowadays, so get the cheapest styled cell phone budget that you could get if you're trying to keep it cheap.
1: We just switched to visible, yeah, which we- actually the service is really good. It works in Canada, USA, and Mexico, and I think it's only what is it, 40. 40- Twenty something. Bucks I think it was like thirty
0: thirty five dollars a month per, per person. person. Or so like, like seventy
1: dollars total for both of us. Whereas yeah. originally we were on Verizon, and that was like two hundred and forty dollars a month, and then we switched to T Mobile, and that was one hundred and forty dollars a month.
0: Yeah, the difference between like Verizon and say Visible would be the fact that they get priority over us. So, like, if you see more, if there's more Verizon users in one specific area and the tower is being, like, overloaded, they would get priority over us. Mm -hmm. And realistically, what is that? I mean, it's not much.
1: Well, and then we also added the expense of, like, the monthly Starlink bill, which is 100 plus. So, it's like, are you going to be a full-time worker on the road needing all this internet, needing the good cell phone plan and the good Starlink internet? Or are you just traveling for fun and you could deal with whatever internet you get? You know what I mean? So we know people who could do van life like as a solo individual for like between you know seven to a thousand dollars a
0: month, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: whereas. Other people spend like $5,000 a month.
0: Yeah. And I think once again, it's the idea is just breaking down that budget in a way where you could save yourself some money. And even if you have like a huge budget, maybe you don't want to spend that every month. If you could break that down to be something smaller, then you could then utilize the money that you saved to maybe buy a house and rent it to make you more money. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever it might be, Um, you know. You have extra cash floating around maybe to help somebody out, you know, wh- whatever. I don't know. But but the idea, I think, is if you're living life on the road, most of the time you're trying to be a little bit more, you know, money friendly. Mm-hmm. Not always, you know. But yeah, I think that I think that we kind of answered that question in a roundabout way. I would say that our monthly budget is probably around like 3000 bucks at the moment.
1: I don't think so because that's, that's now. basically our income.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So then it's less. Yeah. So it's like 25, 2000
1: ish, 2000, 2000 to 2500, depending on like big expenses.
0: Yeah. And I would speaking say speaking
1: of income though, mm-hmm. cause that was another one of the questions. Oh yeah.
0: So making money on the road, how do we make money on the road? And I would say for us, uh, for us, we make money on the road by, I muted you. Oh yeah. That way you only hear one mic. So the way we make money on the road is we do YouTube videos. So that's our first income and that income And the way that we make videos online and uh, that has created other endeavors for us as well. So we also work with brands and sponsorships. And so you'll see some things pop up in the video sometimes that uh, we try to make it as native to the video as possible. So it doesn't feel like that. It's like, I don't want to watch this, you know, Um, obviously people kind of know when you're doing an ad. So they do get skipped over here and there. But the the idea is that we make more money from those ads um, than we do on YouTube.
1: Yeah, and I feel like the YouTube, it's been pretty, like, volatile. Like, in our first year, it seemed like it was, like, going to be gangbusters. And, like, we were like, oh, every month we're making more money than the month before. And this is so good. I can't give you your squeaky buddy because then you're just going to squeaky. But what we've learned over the years, because now we've been on YouTube for over three years, is that the income is super volatile. So like some months are like great and other months are garbage. And then now this whole like shorts thing coming in has really taken away from long-form content and the money is now being moved around in different places. And so I saw one of the people like YouTube gurus or whatever that I follow said that basically income was down 40% across the board for all YouTubers, which is crazy. So having that as like your only income source is just ridiculous because you're relying on somebody else. Whereas with brand deals, you're relying on yourself. Obviously, you're getting paid by a company, but you can negotiate the deal. You're getting a product that's hopefully something that you love and are excited to use then I feel like, too, people are pretty used to seeing ads in videos. Like, I don't think there's that whole, like, oh, you're a sellout. Like, we've never even got a comment like that. Because people know, like, you got to make money, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah, that's not <laughs> something I was worried about. Like, here's, here's the thing is uh we're always trying to get products and, and use products that are, you know, something that you guys would also use and something that we would use because we are minimalists, like – In the general sense of how much stuff can you actually have when you're living in a van? uh, We don't want to take on things that we aren't going to use in any type of way. And if it's a crap product, we're going to say it, too.
1: Well, we've actually like gotten products and then told the brand like this is shit and we're not going to talk about it. And 90 percent of the like actually 100 percent of the time that I've said that and because it's maybe only happened a handful of times. The brand is like, okay, no problem, just keep it and, like, don't worry about posting anything about it. Because they don't want the bad press and they don't want to get into a fight with me because I'm tough. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alex, tough. You're like, pretty tough, though. I'll yeah,
1: but, like, if you're, like, you're going to force me to make content that I don't want to make, you know what I mean? Like, be like, okay, I could take some images for you and then you could do whatever you want with them. And then I'll still get paid for that. But anyway, so the YouTube videos have created some branded content for us. Then this podcast also brings in a little bit of income every month.
0: Yeah. I think we get about around a hundred dollars a month, uh, ish somewhere around there. Yeah. Just through Spotify ads itself. And then sometimes we'll make some more money if we wind up getting a brand deal. Somebody wants to be on the podcast itself, like uh, as like, um, you know, a promotion for our product. But I mean, we haven't really done many of those one or two. Actually the equipment that we're using right now was a brand deal. Um, and we, we love this, uh, the vocaster, we have the vocaster two yeah, And this product is amazing. It makes you want to like, continue to just do product, you know, not product ads. <laughs> it makes you want to continue to just do your podcast all the time. Like I want to talk on this all day, every day. The sound quality is amazing. But, um, but yeah, it was super awesome. That content, uh, that we created with them. And it was a really cool experience for us. We've never got to do, like, an actual photo shoot and be models for something specific uh, in the way that we did with them and just creating, like, the the ad that they wanted to create with them was, was really unique. Like we worked with a professional crew and that mm-hmm. was, that was really amazing. This isn't part of, uh, isn't a part of that. Like this isn't a paid brand deal at this point, but it was really cool just to be a part of that and get this really cool equipment.
1: Yeah. And then, so the other way, like, I feel like, so I have a breakdown. I call it like our abundance tracker and it's a spreadsheet. And so I can see like, there's probably like f- 10 different line items of like where we get money every month. And I think that that's, you know, just a part of being a digital nomad entrepreneur (laughs) in the brand influencer space. Um, But so another way that we make money is through Amazon. So we put ads up on Amazon Or not, kind of. I guess like if we have a product that's available for sale on Amazon, we make a quick little video about it. We put it on Amazon, and then if you watch that video and then decide to purchase that thing, then we get a kickback. So we make a couple hundred bucks from that every month.
0: And even if you don't actually purchase that item, but you wind up watching the video, then purchasing something after, we still get a kickback from that. So it's a really interesting concept because. We don't have to promote the product ourselves. It natively is being promoted on their platform because you're looking to buy that product, you know, or something specific that's similar to that product so for us we don't have to promote it we don't have to do anything and uh, we want to making sales through that and then just get a kickback and they're pretty easy simple videos to make Mm -hmm. um for us at this point Mm and you know where we are in our career and video creation and whatnot well Um, we're also
1: working with our friends crux and beta yeah and so they're helping us by when we were in mexico and central america most of people companies will now reach out to us and say, hey, I have this product. It's for sale on Amazon. Do you want to make a video about it? So we're sending it to our friends, Crux and Beta, and then they're making the video, and then we're posting it on our account. So, yeah. so we're they, spreading the love. Yeah, they benefit. We benefit. The brand benefits yeah and then everybody's happy
0: that's pretty much how we make money on the road um, every once in a while like just recently, I did some work with my brother in New York City and I got paid fairly well doing that that was doing air conditioned refrigeration uh, but the the idea is that if I ever needed to, I could stop and pick up a a side job and make some money. If we have stuff in the van that we don't want that is useful to somebody else we'll throw it on like Facebook market mm. and we'll sell it. Um,
1: We do have some affiliate stuff. So, like, if you buy a moonshade with our discount code, we get $30 every Mm -hmm. time somebody buys a moonshade. That happens a handful of times a month.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. So, just like random stuff. And so, like, you think about it, you're like, oh, 100 bucks here, 60 bucks here, you know, whatever. Like, some of them are bigger dollars, like 500, 700, you know, whatever. But then it all adds up. And to the point where, like, we can comfortably travel on the
0: road. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of traveling on the road, this brings up the next question. Um, so we lived in a van, two vans, actually, for quite some time. And we just recently sold that van. And so now we, Alex and I have been talking about shifting towards, like, an overlanding experience, you know, trying that out for a while. What, like, why and what's the difference?
1: So I think for us, our first van was pretty capable. It was rear wheel drive. Yeah. Um, but we never had any trouble on ice, snow, anything like that. The second van, the ProMaster, front wheel drive, definitely got stuck a lot more, definitely didn't handle quite as well as the previous van.
0: I, I would say that we did challenge ourselves a bit more too. Sure. So that could be a little bit of why. Sure. Um I think it handled better in the snow. Okay. Personally. Uh, just because of the idea of like front wheel drive is actually better in the snow because mm-hmm. you're you 're pulling something rather than pushing it um, but yeah i I would say that they both performed really well uh, except for a few occasions mm-hmm. uh, you know we We did go all the way down to panama you know we we tried every single country in Central America and you know, North America in that van Mm -hmm. from Canada all the way down, you Mm -hmm. know, from Alaska all the way down really. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that, that really got tested that van. Yeah. And I think what I realized is that no matter what we, we got out, like people always helped us, but there was one or two situations that were like really hairy and scary. And uh, if we would have had four wheel drive, we would have got right out, you know? And so I think the reason why we, well, I want to is that way I don't have to put our family in danger.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's different than like, like the Sprinter van comes in four wheel drive, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily as capable as like a true four wheel drive vehicle.
0: It would have been capable enough to get us out of the situation that we were in. Uh, the reason why I don't think that we go to Sprinter is just because of how expensive it is to do like upkeep just on the the re- vehicle itself. You know, like Mercedes is not a cheap company.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. So. The rig that we have now is not an Overland-style rig. No. It is a 1985 Toyota Sun Raider. You
0: could make it an Overlanding rig. Like, you could change it into a 4 by 4 rig, but, like, this isn't the rig that I think that we'll be living in long in this near future. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think this vehicle is more for the aspect of being able to rent it out to you guys. Like, if you want to experience, a, you know, antique and the experience of van life slash RV life and being able to be off-grid— this is a fairly, it's gonna be capable enough for you if you're gonna be renting it out. Like, yeah. the, the idea of you driving across country and something like that is probably not gonna happen just because it's not that fast. <laughs> <laughs> like, your trip across the country takes, you know, maybe two to three times as long just because yeah. of the, the, the size of the engine, the style that it is.
1: Yeah. But so for us, this van was kind of actually the reason that we bought it was that I didn't want to waste money on getting like a U-Haul or shipping all of our stuff because we sold our van in uh, Nevada, Mm -hmm. but then we needed to get ourselves back to the East Coast. And so in my mind, I was like, what's the point of... You know, buying or paying for a U-Haul, it's going to cost thousands of dollars to get it all the way across the country. It's going to be like money that we're basically just burning because, you know, that's not an investment. That's just an expense. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I talked Frank into buying a cheaper rig because I was like, oh, well, this is going to actually save us money. And then we can turn it into like, you know, this rental vehicle and blah, 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 blah. But the van broke down like a week after we got it. And now it's cost us way more than that initial investment.
0: I will say that even though it's cost us way more than that initial investment, you know, it it still is an investment. Like we could turn around and sell it and probably still be under the amount of what it would have cost us for like the U-Haul and whatnot, you know, but and also renting it and stuff like that, that will that will help.
1: There's absolutely no way that we would be under the cost of the U-Haul.
0: I think if we sold it after we rebuild it inside and we, if we say we want to sell it right away, I think we could sell it for at least $25,000.
1: No, I don't think so. I think
0: we could break even on that. I don't know. They They literally sell for $35,000.
1: That's the four by four ones though,
0: no? No, the four by four ones are over fifty thousand dollars. Right. That that vehicle is very unique and it's an antique. Like that that's the thing. Is like you're selling that more to like a collector or somebody who loves nostalgia. You know, like you're not selling that to the everyday van lifer. Right. And by the
1: time we're done with it, it won't be leaking, it won't be (laughs) shitty, (laughs) the kitchen will actually work and you'll be able to cook in it.
0: The thing is gonna be in tip top condition once we're done with it. You know, that's that's the idea is like, you know to refurbish and bring back it brings restore bring something back to life that hasn't been alive for a while you know this van luckily for us it like we found a good one you know it, it has a minor stuff happening mm-hmm. and it's all fixable so if we just we take our time we do it right it's going to be immaculate i mm-hmm. think at the end um but yeah I, I mean look at all the other rigs we built They were all really beautiful and really amazing and worked really, really well. So, yeah, it's a little bit harder because you're working with somebody else's stuff. Um, But, you know, I think that it could become something really, really nice. Um, And if we get everything working perfectly, then you have a brand new engine in it. Mm -hmm. That alone is worth at least 15 grand in itself.
1: Right. But so to get back to the question, the reason that we're kind of moving into more of, like, the overlanding-style rig, especially for, like, our next rig that we're going to build. Honestly, we've seen so many Sprinters, so many ProMasters. I think we just kind of want to do something different, Um, something that's definitely 4 by 4 and capable, and then also the idea that, like, we don't need to be driving around in a vehicle that costs, like, $80,000 off the lot. Like, yeah, that's nice, but, like, we don't personally need that. And I feel like it makes me more anxious when we're driving around in this super expensive rig feeling like, Ooh, don't ding it. Ooh, don't go there. Ooh, don't, you know?
0: So I have a little bit of an argument for that is like driving around that expensive rig actually made it to where we could really enjoy van life. (laughs) Like we didn't have to worry about breakdowns. Right. In our first van, like we were worried about breakdowns towards the end because we had some engine issues. Uh, and we were worried about breakdowns pretty much every week or at cons. least I was yeah. right and so that doesn't Alex isn't as stressed out about that but I am you know because I'm the one fixing those things so the nice part about having that new rig is you're really stress free other mm-hmm. than fixing stuff inside the house it, like you're really not doing much outside except for a simple maintenance.
1: Right. But then if you think about, so one of our members of our discord group, which if you want to become a member of that, you can either join our Patreon or buy our van build guide on our website. And then you get access to the discord group through that. Um, but so she was saying that they bought a, basically like a prebuilt, like Winnebago inside of a, a van and the van itself, brand new van has been amazing, but the Winnebago build has been nothing but
0: trouble. But that's like something that Winnebago builds are and just builds from RV companies are known for. Right. Like, like, I mean, and also the aspect of like, if you want to take it in and get it fixed, they're so far down the road. Right.
1: It's like, okay, we can take you in two months from now. (laughs) We
0: could take you in a year from now.
1: And you're like, I have a gas leak. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: You're like, I'm living in this full time. (laughs) I need it fixed now. But see, that's the... The thing is, is that you should try to become as handy as possible. Right. And I understand that you might not think that you're capable for it or of it. But here's the thing is it's on YouTube. You know, like whatever it is that you're trying to figure out is there's a forum, a blog, a YouTube, like something out there that could tell you how to fix it and what to do step by step. Like there's so much information out there today Mm -hmm. that you might not have to wait for those people to try to make those things happen. And I know that if you buy a new rig, that's what you should be getting serviced quickly.
1: Well, you're also probably under warranty, so well, you don't want to do any of the work yourself because that might void your warranty. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So there's, you got to think about this. I would
0: thing. say it depends on the severity of the project. If it's like something really big, then I let them do it. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that's not so big, you know, that you know you could do in like an hour, just get it done. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I get it. Maybe in some type of way, shape or form, maybe that you could get reimbursed for doing it yourself. I don't know. You know, maybe give them the bill of like what the materials cost.
1: I don't know if it works like that.
0: I mean, there's probably there might be.
1: Might be. I feel like they want their techs to do the things.
0: Yeah, true. Uh, are we ever going to make it back to Dolphin Island?
1: So that must be from someone... From
0: Dolphin Island, yeah, it's a uh, beach in Baja, the place where we went to eat and we chatted with the people for a Cute. while. They gave us a little sticker. Remember? Yeah, we had the we we had have good food sticker. There. Yeah, mm. we had. I think we had like um, an
1: asai bowl or something like that. We
0: had like a breakfast mm.
1: there. I think. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It was really nice. They were really nice people. Uh, they do little trips on the road too, here and there. Yeah. Um, so if but, you don't know
1: Dolphin Island,
0: it's in Alabama.
1: Yes, yeah, so on the very like southern coast tip like of kind Alabama, of re-
0: really close to florida
1: yeah alabama's kind of like funny in its shape like it has a very small slice of it that actually touches the gulf of mexico mm-hmm. so in that little slice is a place called dolphin island yeah. and we actually went there with uncle kevin when we were doing a cross-country road trip living in his winnebago revel and that was fun three people one dog You know, in a van together Living for like two to three weeks
0: This next question, we're going to have to uh, Do like a whole podcast on it, I think Okay This one's more of a step-by-step guide For solar and how many watts you need To survive with AC and a stove or whatever Um, That one's difficult Or fridge, sorry, AC and fridge That one's difficult because it's like That's a lot of information And... I would have to break down a lot of different things.
1: So I think generally, though, what you should do is figure out all the things that you want to power, write them all down on a list, write down how many watts that they require, write down what are what are the specs that you would need to know.
0: Yeah. So basically, you're just checking the wattage on each one and how much that uses. And then you're going to break that all down and you'll write it all on a sheet and then for one battery, a um, uh, 100 amp hour battery, I think is about 1200 watts, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and so that's 1200 watts over the span of, um, I don't. I want to say over the span of 24 hours, like if you're using one one at a time or something like that. Maybe we should talk to Crown and Style and get him on the podcast. That that would be a great one, actually. Get him on the podcast and we could talk solar, specifically solar Mm. with him. Um, Because, I mean, just watching his stories, I've seen some horrible, horrible, horrible wiring stuff, Mm. uh, you know, from some of these van building companies. And
1: he's getting paid to like fix them.
0: Yes, yeah. yeah. And he's like basically redoing them because they're so bad. Right. They're all electrical hazards. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's a great person to, to look for and yeah, look at. And we'll get him on the podcast. Yeah, I'll have sure. soon.
1: But so basically, you want to know what, how, like, every item that you have that you want to power, how much juice does it need?
0: Well, and it goes much deeper than just that. It's oh, like for sure. wiring but size, like, how long is your run? The further the run goes, the more power you're actually going to use. Right. You know, it's. But just
1: for the matter of like how much solar you need and how much batteries you need. Because yeah. we've also seen some rigs with like huge solar and then like two batteries yeah you're like well that's not
0: well so we'll keep it topped off but you'll never be able to run anything like huge right so like
1: you have like a thousand batteries and like one solar
0: yeah you'll (laughs) never be able to charge that battery (laughs) bank unless you have like a crazy separate dc to dc charger like an alternator that's dedicated strictly to that that when you turn on the rig you're getting like 200 amps you know an hour yeah so like when we
1: were in the revel basically kevin had to run his engine to cook food
0: yeah, yeah. so you don't want that no you don't want that <laughs> and that's because he had agm batteries he yeah. had lithium ion right. you know and he was running an induction cooktop you know that, yeah. that pulls but that's a lot how of they energy. built
1: the van Yeah,
0: you know? he yeah. didn't
1: change it to be shittier it no no he,
0: yeah yeah that's how they build them <laughs> that's the reason why I, I much rather go through somebody that like I know and is reputable in the sense of building vans when it comes to like getting like a DIY van. I'd rather have a DIY than a, than a Winnebago. No offense to Winnebago, you know, like people live and travel in them full time and love them. And I just like, I think they just, they've probably dialed in their systems a little bit better. Like they've made upgrades, you know, and that's the reason why they're working well.
1: So our jamming, we are promising an upcoming episode completely about solar We're going to call our buddy Josh and have him on the show. So stay tuned for that. We'll definitely answer your question fully. So this next one is about Baja. So single female Baja.
0: Um, This one's funny because we can't really answer that. Neither one of us is a single female in Baja or did it single in Baja. Mm -hmm. Like You know, this is more uh, of a question that I think that we could give you some ideas. And like because we've met people that were single van life in Baja. You know, we've made a couple podcasts, too, with people that were traveling through Baja. Uh, Lisa, for instance, we had her on the podcast. We met her as a single female in Baja. And um, I think one of the big things is finding community.
1: Yeah, I was going to say try to go during like van life season. So basically probably December, January, February, March, um, because that's when you're going to have the most other van lifers. I actually met a girl on the beach um what was that place called where we were with Alex?
0: Um, Alex. Yeah, oh, you're talking about um, Tamarin? No. Um, Tecalote. Tecalote.
1: So when we were in Tecalote, I met a girl on the beach who actually is a fan of the podcast, and she like pulled oh, yeah. me over and was like, What's up? And so she was doing solo female van life there with five other solo female fan, van life vans. What
0: was her name Sydney?
1: I don't remember.
0: I'm not 100% sure either, but I feel like her name is Sydney. Sydney, if if it was you, let us know.
1: <laughs>
0: she was so sweet, She though. was really
1: nice. But so she basically had found a bunch of other girls who were also traveling in their vans, and so they were doing it together. So kind of like, you know, Ba is not like a dangerous place, but like as a solo female, I wouldn't want to be on a beach all alone in the middle of nowhere And not have talked to the locals about, like, is this a safe beach or not? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you just want to have, like, a feel of your surroundings. But there's so many spots on iOverlander that you could literally pick out of a million of them. And, you know, during the high season for van life and RV life in Baja, there's definitely going to be other rigs there.
0: Mm -hmm. And I would even say, like, for anybody single— If you're on a beach by yourself and nobody else is around and you're in your rig and somebody comes to knock and don't just fly your door open, you know, look out the window, you know, scoop it, you know, like just say, excuse me, you know, like what's up, you know, you know what I mean? Like don't just open your door to strangers uh, until you feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. you know, like if if it's another rig that pulled up and, um, you know, you'll get a vibe from them. You know what I mean I'm not saying Just open your door To any rig Any other people Just But if you have A positive mindset A positive outlook And you're also On top of that Like You'll You'll find your people Mm -hmm. I think that's the best advice We could kind of give
1: And if you ever feel unsafe Just get in your van And drive Yeah Yeah There's a police station In every town You could go park right there
0: Your gut is like A huge proponent For like what's going down. So if your gut feels weird, just it's, it's okay to pack up and go, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you don't have to stay. That's the whole point of van life is you you could just drive wherever mm-hmm. you want to go and, and stay somewhere else.
1: But I think in terms of like traveling to Mexico, doing that solo, it's totally possible. You could definitely do it in Baja, California. We always say like Baja, California is kind of like Mexico light, like mainland Mexico felt very much more of that authentic Mexican experience. Not that Baja isn't, but there's so many more gringos in Baja that you'll find people that speak English. You'll find people that you can, you know, travel with and are kind of doing the same thing that you're doing.
0: Yeah. And just don't ever be like the gringos that go down there, get a place and then try to like change the place. You know you know what I mean? Like I, there's definitely a thing happening right now with you know, locals compared to the people that are now moving in and the people that are now moving in are getting places kind of shut down because they're like, music is too loud or whatever the case may be. But that's like part of their culture. That's part of their thing. That's what makes the place so special and unique. And what makes the people even more friendly is the fact that they get to do the things that they want to do and love. And so don't be those people is basically what I'm saying is the ones that are like complaining about it.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: So shitty. <laughs> I know you don't love like the loud music and stuff,
1: but well I don't, but, but... I also would never complain about it. C- correct. Yeah. Except to like you or be like, hey, can we drive down the street and sure. park somewhere else? Sure. But I would never like um actively complain and like start a movement to like close businesses down because their music is too loud.
0: Yeah, it's lame. Well, super, it's super lame. lame. <laughs> super
1: duper like,
0: like you got to remember you moved there because you like that at one point in time or like you were okay with it. You were comfortable enough to be like, yep, this is what I like. I'm going to buy a house here.
1: Yeah. But I want it to be exactly like I want it to be. And I don't want any of the local stuff to still be here.
0: Yeah. Like even the, like the people that pull up on the beach and things like that, like that's part of like all the beaches are public. Right. And so Like, like
1: some of the gringos are getting the beaches shut down for van lifers. Yeah. And you're like, well, the locals didn't have a problem with us being here.
0: No. And they're, and they're, I wouldn't say that. This isn't San Diego. Sometimes they're just making up stuff, like saying that things are happening just so they could get them kicked off the beach. Cause it makes them feel uncomfortable that there's vans there.
1: Yeah. So don't be a
0: colonizer. Yeah. Yeah. We don't like that.
1: <laughs> okay. This next question, another big travel question. Um, so what's the best way to get the van up to Alaska if you don't have an updated us passport?
0: Yeah, I'm going to grab the range real quick. Um, Really simple for us this last, uh, well, the last time we went up there, technically we couldn't cross the Canadian border because it was COVID and they didn't like the paperwork we had, so they, they denied us. So the best way I would say is, You could get on, uh, you could either, there's two ferries that go up there. One, one like ferry that you could get your car on and you could sleep on the deck of the boat. Um, That's probably a little bit cheaper because you're also on the boat yourself and you don't have to fly up. But the other way that we did it was we went with this company called Tote and they were fairly inexpensive too, but then you have to pay for the flight up and a hotel stay. Or you could fly up the day that your van's going to get there, and then you don't have to pay for a hotel stay. But you might, if you're living out of your van at somewhere, some point in time you're going to have to pay. So that boat goes out of Tacoma, uh, both boats, I think go out of Tacoma and then they go all the way up to, um, Anchorage. And so one boat goes like down through all the islands. So you could like stop at each one get in your van, drive off, and then you could just get back on the boat. Uh, and so with tote, it just goes to Anchorage. You're not on it and you just fly in and then you pick up your van and you're ready to go.
1: Yeah, so Tote Maritime was great and they really took care of our van and they got it there in great time. I think it took three days to get there and maybe like five days to get back. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also the the other one is more of like a ferry um, and they do sell out the ferry. So you'll have to, if that is something that you're looking to do this summer, look at it right now because you might have already missed your opportunity to book it.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably even too late already.
1: Yeah, I don't know. know.
0: Like, look it up, like, ASAP. And you want to, like... It's just crazy how fast it sells out, because they call it the poor man's cruise. And, like, you could get on it just as a person, but then you don't have a rig.
1: Mm -hmm. But the nice thing is that it does make a couple of stops along the interior. So a lot of the islands that it stops at, you wouldn't actually be able to go to if you take tote. Yeah. And you can't drive to many of these islands, but you can if you get off on that island with your vehicle. So like friends of ours, they actually, they didn't book or they weren't able to book from Washington to Anchorage because it was completely sold out. Mm -hmm. But they were able to book from Washington to one of the smaller ports Mm -hmm. and then get off there, explore there for a week or two, then get on a different boat from there to the next island. Mm -hmm. So they did a little bit of island hopping. And so that's how they got around the boat to Anchorage being sold out.
0: Did it make it cheaper for them?
1: Um, it did because one of the boats broke down. Do you remember this? Oh yeah,
0: I do remember this. Yeah. So then
1: they ha- they were forced off that boat in a port where they weren't supposed to be in. So they got refunded like a big portion. They of actually got the trip. kicked
0: off in Canada.
1: Yeah, and then they had to drive from Canada. Because
0: they weren't supposed to be in Canada, but they had no choice but to be in Canada. So the Canadian government was like, listen, we're only allowing this because the boat broke down. Yeah, you have
1: this many hours to get to Get your ass to
0: Alaska now.
1: The other thing I'll say is that, you know, having an updated passport, obviously you need that to get through Canada. But then also if you have a felony, including a DUI, the Canadian government might not let you into the country. They will
0: not let you into the country. Even will, if you're transiting? I will say that they'll let I think that they'll let you through, like you could take the boat up and then once you after you take the boat up, if you don't have an updated passport, what you could probably do is say, Hey listen, I'm a I'm a resident of the States and I need to drive through To get back home and you could show like if you have paperwork of like where you rent or where you like a house in the the lower lower 48, 48 they I think they have to let you drive.
1: Yeah, yeah, know. I'm
0: fairly certain. Um, I would, I would definitely look it up. And realistically, like, get your passport updated is kind of like <laughs> the thing that I would think of. I know it's like a little bit expensive, but it's not nearly as expensive as going up to Alaska. Like,
1: well, like the amount that you're gonna pay for the ferry could have easily got you. Yeah, a passport. It,
0: it might take you like a month or two, maybe. I don't know how long it takes for. You could get it expedited and everything for way less expensive than. The rest,
1: yeah. Plus, then it opens the door to Baja and other cool places. So, yeah, yeah.
0: it's Central always America. a good idea
1: if you're going to be a nomad, a traveler, have that passport with you, updated at all times. Yeah. Okay. This next question:
0: Where do you poop? <laughs> In a bucket, a very glorified, nice composting bucket at the point. This point, and yeah. also actual toilets. Like we we go into gas stations and restaurants and places like that and use the restroom. Like pooping is uh. It's pretty easy to do.
1: (laughs) So actually, it's funny. I was thinking of KJ and James Stokeloff because they exclusively pooped in their nature's head toilet and would not use a public bathroom ever, which I thought was really wild. Whereas us, I would rather use a public bathroom. I
0: liked our bucket.
1: I liked our bucket, too. But I'm just saying in terms of like, then we don't need to clean the bucket as often or empty the bucket as often.
0: I would say that when we had our... Uh, the first bucket we didn't use as much, uh, than the second one we used more.
1: Well, the very first bucket more. didn't really work. And so in Lolo, it was DTB or you're digging a hole.
0: Um, no, well, we used a bucket sometimes. Mm. Yeah, we did. A hundred percent we did. I don't know what you're shaking your head at, but we definitely because
1: Because the, the couch didn't work to like open to like get into it. It was very tricky.
0: Yeah, I, we, we... We just lifted it up. And we I used don't it.
1: remember really using that toilet ever.
0: Uh, You didn't use it much. I used it a lot more than you. I just remember using it quite a bit. I know that we dug a lot more. Like, we dug deeper holes and blah, 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 and we used restrooms whenever we saw them.
1: But also, when we were in the first van, this was, like, height of COVID. Yeah. And so, most grocery stores had their toilets closed. Yeah. Most, like, big box stores. Like, there's so many places that you can go to the bathroom. But unfortunately, when COVID was happening, most of those places were closed.
0: Actually, the grocery store is, like, a pretty good spot. Normally, they're fairly clean. It just depends on which one you go to.
1: hmm uh, And I feel like my standard for bathrooms, public bathrooms, is pretty low yeah especially after traveling in mexico and central america i
0: will say i will walk away if there's poop on the toilet well
1: yeah (laughs) i get
0: that i went to go into a bathroom the other day when we were traveling here in upstate
1: new york yeah
0: and i walked into the bathroom and i'm like hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news What the, like, why did they shit on the toilet seat? Like, how do you miss that bad? I just don't understand it. I've never missed that bad. And if I have missed, like, a little bit, I've cleaned it up after myself. Like, But this was like a full-on poop.
1: Yeah, I don't want to talk about yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so now we have a Nature's Head toilet, which is kind of like the creme de la creme of composting toilets. It's basically a glorified bucket with a jug, and it's about $1,000 for the toilet, and there's probably a wait list. Um, but it does work, and it works really well. It's kind of like the gold standard of composting toilets for people who live in a van.
0: Yeah, speaking of, I got to clean ours. I got to clean both things. Yeah, you should definitely clean it out. Yeah, ASAP. Yeah. ASAP. ASAP Rocky.
1: Okay. So don't worry about bathroom situation. Obviously, it's really good to have one in your van, even if it's just like an in case of emergency bathroom in the van. Oh, yeah. Definitely somewhere to pee in the van. We had his and hers pee jugs in our last van. Um, Those worked great. You dump them out maybe every couple of days kind of thing. I would
0: say every day to every other day. Yeah. Yeah, because we had our own separate ones, it made it more like every other day. Right. But uh, together, you need a big jug. Like, And that's the one thing I think I like about the uh, nature's the nature's head. But I will say, lugging that thing out of there,
1: whew, it's heavy.
0: It's heavy and pee is smelly.
1: Yeah. And then by that time, it's like a lot of pee. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm always grossed out by the pee part. Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of weird. I thought it would be the opposite way.
1: The poop part's not so bad.
0: No. I'm making a really nasty face right now. (laughs) (laughs) You smelled something bad. (laughs)
1: Okay, next question. Van life in the Northeast. So we have... Been through the Northeast But we've never really like super van vanlifed the Northeast
0: No, the only time we van life the Northeast Is when we were doing the 71 Mountain Challenge um, Which was insane We snowboarded 71 mountains in a single season Which is the most out of anybody ever uh, And if you could find somebody that's done more Or the same amount, please let me know Because I want to shake their hand Because that was an incredible feat But during that time, we were up in New uh, New England New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine we were in all these different places, and uh, what we found out is that we were able to actually snowboard all these different mountains, but we could park in their parking lots, and no, like we would ask, obviously, and they would be like, yeah, lot D. like Feel free, stay as long as you want. You know what I mean? Like It was very welcoming and open. Uh, the one thing that you don't have to deal with in the East Coast that you would have to deal with in the West is the fact that the East Coast doesn't have as much avalanche risk. So there is avalanche risk here, just not in the parking lots. Um, so you're really safe and in a good spot when you are parked at these places. That way, you don't have to worry about like getting caught up in.
1: Mm-hmm. And so for summer van life, we've definitely well, we did a little bit of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which was beautiful, and there was definitely a bunch of spots to stay up there. And that's kind of like a a go to for van lifers in the summer. The UP. Um, but so on the East Coast, normally either we're staying with family or it's Cracker Barrels, it's Walmart parking lots, it's, like, a drive-through, rest like, areas. rest areas, certain really nice rest areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so... It's something that we need to do. We definitely want to do an East Coast of Canada trip. So that's going to be probably our next like really big adventure is the East Coast Canada trip. Um, So we'll have more info about that coming soon.
0: Yeah, I think the major thing for the East Coast is, um, you know, there are definitely forestry lands, but you're probably going to be paying for like camping more. Uh, But if you just use iOverlander, you're going to find plenty of spots to park. They just might not be the most ideal um, and just make sure that you're allowed to park there. You know, if it is a place where there's, um, you know, a gas station, whatever, just ask the attendant, like, if it's cool, if you just park overnight, you'll be leaving early in the morning type of thing.
1: Can we pause for a second?
0: I mm-hmm. have to pee. Bath and breaks down. Go ahead.
1: So this next question, we kind of talked about a smidgety bit, but, um, safe overnight parking. So we just mentioned a couple things, uh, rest areas, gas stations, usually, Uh, We use the app iOverlander the most. And so that's the one that we trust. Most of the time, sometimes there won't be a review on there for many years or something like that. But I feel like either people don't leave good reviews, (laughs) but they will leave bad reviews. So if they stayed somewhere and they got kicked out, they'll definitely put that.
0: Yeah, I would even say like you could use Harvest Host as well. You're going to pay a monthly fee for that, but then you know for sure, or an annual fee, sorry. Um, But then you know for sure that you'll have like a safe spot to camp. I never heard of anybody like that was at a harvest host that was like, oh, that was not good.
1: Yeah, I mean I maybe heard one story about some like hillbillies that like <laughs> but anyways
0: I do remember that one. Yeah.
1: Um I think generally those are pretty safe places to park. I think again you have to be aware of your surroundings. You have to trust your gut. You have to look around and say like does this feel like a good spot?
0: I would even go like if you're willing to park your car there you're probably in a pretty safe spot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like not many people want to leave their car in a bad spot. So Right.
1: And it's always good to ask, like especially if it's uh, a gas station or some kind of like business, asking a security guard, asking a manager, you know, is this okay just to make sure? Definitely do that because yeah. that will give you peace of mind.
0: But there was definitely several places where we traveled where people were like, "Yeah, uh, like, don't park on the street there. And then we parked on the street there and then we were fine.
1: Yeah, I feel like urban camping is always like – A little bit easier almost. Like, you just have to follow the street sign rules, like, no parking on Tuesdays between 8 a.m. and 10 p.m. And you're like, okay, fine.
0: But it can get weird depending on, like, the neighborhood you're in or the place that you're in and if people are okay with it or not. So, sure.
1: But usually when we're doing urban camping, like, we arrive late, we set up shop, we close all our curtains, close all our blinds, try to be as self as possible, and then we leave pretty early. And we
0: normally park on, like, a main street a lot of the time, you know, or nearby main street. That way we're not, like, We're in front of businesses rather than in front of houses.
1: Right. Or if we're in front of houses as a street where it's just like car after car after car after car after car. And there's
0: public parking.
1: Yeah. And so you're not like the only van parked in front of somebody's house. Correct. I feel like that would be a little bit weird. Yeah. And then, like, two, you can always try to position yourself like in between two houses. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, that house thinks maybe you're visiting the other house and then that other house thinks you're visiting the other house. Yeah. So you're not just, like, in front of somebody's driveway.
0: Yeah, and I would even say maybe don't do it, like, several days in a row. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, parking in that one spot and then move to a different location, you know, type of thing. That's Unless what we it's, like, a really to-
1: good camp spot where you're, like, you're on the beach in Mexico and you can, like, spread out That's and whatever. Different. Like, who cares? Stay for two weeks, whatever. But if you're, like— in somebody
0: else's if you're in somebody's space, neighborhood is what I mean.
1: Yeah. You want to arrive late, leave early. Don't make a mess. Don't leave anything behind. Don't drip your water. Don't drip your gray tank, Yeah, you know, whatever. Correct. And just get out of there. Like the less that the people know that you're there, the better.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree.
1: Yeah. But we've never had trouble. Like we've never been woken up in the middle of the night. We've never had anybody. We've definitely had people or like the cops knock and say like, Hey, you can't stay here. And we're we're like, okay. and if a cop does do that, ask them where you can stay.
0: But if you truly want to park, you know, in a safe space overnight, just pay for a campground. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like paying for a campground is not a bad thing. (laughs) If you have the money to do it, do it.
1: Mm -hmm. And that goes back to the budget that we were talking about at the very beginning. It's like if you want to camp at more campgrounds, maybe budget $50 a day for the whole month. Yeah. For camping.
0: I would say, personally, there's something really, like, freeing and something very, like, uh, exciting about camping in a not RV Still-y. spot. Yeah, like, not, I would just say, like, camping the way that we did for so long. It was kind of, like, exciting, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it.
1: Yeah. I think in the beginning it was kind of scary, but then we got into, like a, like, a... You just feel more comfortable with it over
0: time. It made me feel alive, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the whole point of van life. We're I think to wake you
0: lives.
1: up. Wake you up, shake you up, baby. Yeah. Okay, next question. What's the best fridge for van
0: life? I mean, personally, I think that we like the chest style fridges. We feel like we could fit more in them generally, and like we don't have to worry about being on an angle and stuff falling out in any type of way. Um This is going to be a person to person type of, you know, bias probably is what I think, Uh, you know, obviously if you have a big, huge bus and you have a big ass refrigerator, like a house refrigerator, you could store so much stuff in it. You could have freezer stuff. You could have all that. Um, ice co makes awesome fridges uh we have friends that use the medic uh and they have like the the half and half you know freezer fridge combo uh same same with ice co they have the half and half um yeah i mean it's it's going to be definitely a preference that you're going to have uh if you do install either one make sure that they're at the right height so that way you don't have to bend over to get into them i think that is one of the things that a lot of van builders do very badly uh they put the fridge way too low
1: yeah, well, I think especially with the stand up fridges, or even, you know, in our first two iterations of a fridge, we had them really low to the ground. And we thought that, oh, we could like hide the fridge away and then slide it out and then open it. But the sliding thing was always just a disaster.
0: You could also do that at like a higher level. You know what I mean? Ooh, like you could that do. That
1: sounds dangerous. It's
0: not, though. I mean, if you use heavy duty sliders that lock and stuff, like you'll be fine. It's just a matter of like, Being able to sit Even if you have it in a space Where you could Access it right there Right Like how we had it In our last one Mm -hmm. And then You put that on sliders So that way you could like Pull that out And then you could access Underneath it Type of thing Mm -hmm. So if you built like A little drawer That just came up Just a little higher Like we had a flat area If we built it Like just up a little higher So that way it had like Something blocking it From moving around anywhere So that way you didn't have to Put the straps in Type of thing uh, I think that would have been A a better way to build that section Uh, And then you know Just making the little holes for it to be able to breathe So if you had like little leg areas That came up on each four corners of that That box uh, Or if it was able to like You had a wall on each side And then it was sitting on a slider Just at a higher height Then you could like stash it underneath from the top type of thing
1: Yeah I guess for me The less moving parts the better Because the less moving parts the less to break You know The less material That you have to buy The less like Yeah You know Tricky Carpentry And blah 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 And Uh, the fridge is huge And heavy And so you do not want it To go flying anywhere Yeah for sure
0: I'm just thinking like If you wanted it to be like Unique and cool And different Then like you would You can make it move If you want to Sure you you don't have to Like I think that The way that we had it last time Was probably the best way Except for the fact that We had it strapped down I would have rathered have it like in a, like a low, uh, lip, lip. Yeah. Like a lip that just allows it not to fall out type of thing. I would still probably strap it down in some type well, of way. Well, that's the
1: thing. Cause if you get into a car accident, I would still strap it down and that thing fly, you know, it becomes a projectile that could possibly kill you.
0: I would probably put like, uh, something into the wall though. You know, that way it's like chucked into the wall, like into the metal type of thing. And that way it, it has nowhere to go. And then strap it around the the handles like we had it.
1: All right. So basically, there is no best fridge for van life. It's whatever suits you best. Yeah. Also, fridges come in all different budgets as well. So from like, you know, a $200, you know, cooler to like a $2,000 fancy fridge. Yeah. So pick what works best for you. Just make sure that you design it into your build in the best way so that it's accessible and it's safely secured.
0: And as well, I would say you even have to make sure that you have your electrical set up properly around it, too, because you could have a fridge that uses a ton of energy. That could be 120 or 12-volt, you know, and or you could have one that uses way less energy. uh, And just making sure that you have it hooked up properly will will definitely save you some energy as well.
1: Totally. Okay, so food on the road. What do you usually make? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the...
0: That's what I make.
1: That's, yeah, you make eggs
0: pretty good. I make eggs pretty good, yeah. I do yeah. a pretty good job of yeah. that.
1: Um, but so for us, simple is best. We obviously have the fridge stacked of, like, all of the fresh things. But then we also have a pretty good pantry that's always going of, like, um, noodles, like, Italian noodles, but then also, like, ramen noodles. Um Lots of like broths and soups and cans of beans and cans of tomatoes and things like that.
0: Alex makes a lot of different foods of just whatever we have. So there's like really no like rhyme or reason or recipe, I guess. Like you just kind of throw things together that like sometimes you'll go off a recipe, but we won't have all the things. And then you'll just like substitute and whatnot.
1: Right. Well, so like for me, I usually start with like a base. So I'll be like, okay, do we want to have what's going to be the starch? Is it going to be pasta? Is it going to be potatoes? Is it going to be rice? And then just build from that. I try to keep it to like one pot or one pan meals so that there's less dishes to do at the end. We do have a little rice cooker that we use. So, you know, make a stir fry, put it over the rice kind of thing. Uh But always trying to keep it as minimal as possible. We only had two burner stove, but we always ate super well. Yeah. So... You know, you don't need a lot of super fancy equipment to be able to put these meals together. We did get an Instant Pot closer to the end of our travels, and so that was kind of nice.
0: We've used it, but not too crazy. Like, if we're cooking for, like, a big group of people, I feel like that's when the Instant Pot would come into play. You know what I mean? Like, you make, like, a stew or, like, a pasta with it.
1: Yeah, and, like, I've done that for us, too. But, Mm -hmm. like, it's also nice to cook a little bit more, and then you have leftovers. So then you only have to reheat something. Instead of starting from scratch,
0: yeah, and even Alex is so talented. She's even made bread on like in a pan, and that's actually one of our favorite things. Uh, and we'll we'll normally eat that like with something, some type of spread on top of it, uh, and that's absolutely delicious.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think you just have to get creative. You have to think outside the box. There's definitely a couple nomads who have cookbooks out, and so our favorite is the one from Stoke Loaf but I mean, you know, some of the bigger creators like Eamon and Beck have cookbooks.
0: Plus Life Kitchen has a cookbook. Yeah. But like, I, I think the idea is like, you're going to have to, once again, figure out the things that you like to cook, but I would definitely say that the simple is better and like one one pan meals is kind of the like ideal thing. And I, I did find out like when you make pasta, I feel like it's pretty cool because you use just enough water that when it all... Like soaks up into the noodle and stuff, and it's done boiling. There's basically like minimal water left over.
1: Yeah, well, it's about like not wasting either, because yeah, you but, have limited resources.
0: But, like when you're in the house, you're filling up that pan like halfway, if not more. And how do you do it? Do you just like basically just barely cover the noodles? Is that kind of the idea?
1: No, I don't know. I feel like there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to my cooking Maybe like an inch over the noodles In terms of like how much you're going to have But then I never know how much noodles I'm going to have Until I pour them in
0: Yeah, yeah. You know
1: what I mean So you just like I'm just a feel it out kind of person And then whatever happens happens And most of the time it's pretty good
0: Yeah but but what I'm saying though is I thought that was really cool That like it was Basically when we were pouring the noodles out It was almost like no water left
1: Mm -hmm. Right It's funny that those are the things that you're like
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm amazed by how, uh, how you figure out things to be more resourceful Mm. and like less waste, you know, Mm. that's how it felt. I think one of the coolest things going back to like the food aspect of living in a van is when you go grocery shopping, you don't need any bags. You just put everything into the car and then bring it right to your house and you put it either in the cabinet or the the fridge right there. Like, I think that's super cool.
1: Yeah. And we've also before, like, especially if we were about to go off grid or something, like we'll do a big shop. Depackage some stuff, like get rid of the boxes, blah, blah, blah. But then also, like, say we fill the fridge up, and I look and I say, oh, we actually have like more space than I thought. I'll go back into the grocery store and like buy some more vegetables or buy Mm -hmm. some more fresh stuff. Yeah. Because if I know we're going to try to be off grid for a long time and I have everything fit and there's still more room. Like I'll go back and buy like ten dollars more worth of vegetables or something, yeah. so that we can stay. You know, make sure that we have enough food to stay off grid long as possible.
0: In our van, we could get at least two weeks of like food where mm-hmm. we're where we're good, and then after that, it's kind of like we're, we're scrounging around the house to find well, things to make.
1: Probably at the end of that two weeks, it's like okay, we have. You know, half of one pepper yeah. and seven Brussels sprouts. If we mix this with the pasta and the can of yeah. tomatoes, yeah. that's a meal. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we're still getting by and there's plenty of stuff in the house that are like there and available if we needed to stay like a couple more days. Or sure, something but all happened. the good
1: stuff goes first. All the
0: fresh stuff is gone. Yeah. 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 All the good, fresh And stuff. the treat
1: stuff and yeah. stuff like that is gone.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's eaten in like the first three days.
1: <laughs> okay, so this next question is from Steve Woods. My dad's waving at us from the window.
0: I don't know what he's trying to say. He's, he's just, just like, waving? hi. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> good
1: thing we weren't having sex.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I think the blinds would be down closed.
1: Yeah, it didn't seem like he could actually see that we were here. Oh,
0: gotcha. I don't know.
1: Anyways, living with parents, that's... One of the pros of van life. Maybe yeah, after know this podcast, I step
0: outside and see if they could see it.
1: Right. <laughs> just, <laughs> that'll be good to know. Just
0: so we know that yeah. we have to close the blinds if we're have a good time in the day.
1: All right. So Steve Woods wants to know how to get over the fear of starting living nomadic life.
0: Just start living nomadic life because it sounds like to me that you're having like you're just being fearful. You know what I mean? Like you have to do it in order to realize that it's not that scary. Yeah,
1: and, like, maybe that means going out for, like, a week at a time, yeah. going out for a big weekend, maybe having some more planned trips where you're, like, you have your campsite booked. You know, you're getting used to driving your vehicle. You're getting used to packing it up. You're getting used to all the systems.
0: That, to me, is just doing it, though. Like, get out there and <laughs> do it. Like it, Yeah, the, but you don't
1: have to, like, sell everything you own and sell no, your house No, no. You, like, I, do I don't it. think
0: you should do that anyway. Like, if you have the money to go out and do it, Rather than selling your house and everything that you own, like unless you're going to travel for a very long period of time and you uh, are like, oh, I still have the availability to like buy a house later on down the road or whatever. But I think that owning a property, like keep that freaking property and rent it.
1: Well, yeah, if you own it, I would definitely rent it out because then you have some kind of income on the road as well. Unless the market is like
0: crazy good to sell and also still good to buy. Uh, which never happens, you know, what Right, I mean? but
1: then it's like, do I want a huge nest egg of money that I'm just going to be like draining from every month? Yeah. Or do I want, you know, to create an income to have that income stream coming from the house that I'm not living? In I would right much
0: now. rather create that income, even and, if it means
1: a little bit of management, like that uh, couple that we met who live in the bus. They own they have own like a whole building and they're property managers for a whole building. Yeah. And that's how they pay to live life on the road.
0: Yeah. It's just so smart. I yeah. mean, I would love to do it that way because then I wouldn't have to worry about anything else. I would just we'd be making money. And you know what? If you hear something is a problem, you call up a business to go and fix it. You yeah. know what I mean? I like, mean, you that's have to manage of, it and it's part your of job. the business. Yeah, yeah.
1: whatever. But yeah. Um, so anyways, I think that. A lot of the fear of living van life is more internal than external. I think we're often worried about what people think. We're thinking, oh, everybody's looking at me. Everybody knows that I'm living in my van. Like, But then once you're on the road for a while, you realize like nobody really cares. Nobody's looking at you.
0: I think more people know today just because of all the videos and all the things sure. that are made about it. And there's more people out there on the road. So, But you like, have- even
1: if they do know, they're just like, oh. It and they walk on by and
0: if they care then they they're not going to say anything to you they're just going to talk in private about it how they don't like it type of thing like yeah. that most of the time people don't say anything to you about you living in a van
1: yeah, for I'm, sure. I
0: don't think I've ever experienced that. Like, oh, get out of here. You'll buy a life or like just the, I mean, note, the no. note on the window type of thing, but like not necessarily like somebody. A,
1: an actual confrontation. DM,
0: yes. No, I don't yeah. think that's ever happened. No.
1: So really just go for it. You know, test it out. Try it out for a weekend, a week, a month. See what what you like, what you don't like, how you could improve your rig. I know Steve is all about like, you know, making sure everything's per. you know, like Uh, Optimizing systems
0: right? Yeah and like I don't That's fine like you could optimize your systems And you'll be able to optimize them even more When you're on the road traveling Because you'll actually get a really good understanding Of like what you use what you don't use How you use it how much power it drains Uh, Especially if you have all like The little systems that link up to What you're using and how you're using it Type of thing Uh, But like I don't know I'm kind of pretty carefree so I think for me, I, when we were on the road, it was more of the aspect of just as long as we have enough power to live our lives and like charge our computers and do all that stuff. That's all that mattered to me. I didn't care how it was being used or where it was being used. It was more of a fact that like I could use it, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So this next question, one thing you don't like or can do without for van life.
0: Ooh, interesting question. Um, Hmm, I really have to think about this one because, like, most of the time, I'm thinking about the things that I like, not really that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the thing that I don't like would be, I don't know, I really don't know. How about you?
1: I feel like we do like basically everything about van life, I think sometimes. I don't like if my sleep gets interrupted by like other people being loud or something. Yes. I could do without that. I could do without um, you know, you take a hard corner or something and your cabinet flies open and all the things come out. Could do without
0: that. I would say that didn't really happen in our last The end. things
1: didn't come out, but like the slider would definitely like you know things end. get like loose over time. And yeah, so and then if you don't do anything about it then it yeah. just kinda of becomes a problem. Yeah. So could do without that. Um I could do without some of the shittier van lifers on the road who make a mess, who leave their garbage who yeah. dump their black tanks where they shouldn't.
0: I think it's more outside things that I could deal without, you know, like like Alex was saying, like the garbage on the side of the road I could deal without. Like, I, I don't mind picking up after myself and others if I'm in a camp spot, but man— There are some places we drove down and it's just littered with garbage, whether it was a dump site or something at some point in time or uh, became a dump site because people don't want to pay to throw out their garbage or, uh, you know, that when it comes to locals as well. Like I could deal without uh, some of the local people coming out and like raging and then like leaving garbage. I don't care about the rager. Right. I care about like the garbage aspect, like leave it, leave it nice when you're done. Yeah. But, like, go have fun. Be be my guest. But just, like, yeah, I think the garbage aspect of it is mm-hmm. something I would love to change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I
1: think for us, like, we love life on the road.
0: Uh, yeah, definitely. Nice burp.
1: No, you're going to cut that out. <laughs> yeah, I'll
0: cut that out. <laughs> I think I'm going to leave it now.
1: No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm
0: leaving it. Don't give me evil eyes. Keep going. <laughs> uh yeah so i i think when it comes to the aspect of what we would you know i i think it's that i think it's the fact of you know just people in their garbage i think one thing i would like to do is have a city fill in the next van so that way when we are at like a campground we could just use our shower maybe mm-hmm. um maybe yeah that i think
1: would, that like to so we're on our third van now and we're gonna be on our fourth rig of some kind You know, we learned lessons from the first van to the second van. Yeah. We learned that it is really important to have an onboard toilet that's super functional. We learned that having a more functional shower was really important for us, even though we don't use it for every shower, when we do want to shower— It's nice to have one that works. Like in our next van, we're going to have a full shower setup.
0: Our van, our last van, I think the shower setup worked really well. It
1: did, but it just wasn't as like plug and play as like walk in, turn it on. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so that's what we're going to do in the next one.
0: Yeah. And I think that came, the reason why we did that is because we got a product from a company that we wanted to like plumb into our system and it didn't have that ability. Right. So I think that. And the next one will probably work with a company like Hot Tap or something like that. That way you could like it directly into the system and then you don't have to worry about, you know, dumping the pump in and shaking mm-hmm, it up yeah. and getting the air bubbles out and doing all those yeah. things. Like, you know, I, I think that we'll, we'll definitely be mindful of, of that for the next one. But it's one. funny,
1: though, because I don't think of that as something that like bothers me about the van. You know what I mean? Like no, there's always like for us, like switching the bed to the table, like for someone else, that might be like, oh, my
0: God, I could totally do without that. It's pretty dang simple.
1: But for us, it was like, whatever, like you just switch it.
0: What I would do differently is I would make it to where we have, I would pay the extra four or $500, whatever it is, and get the telescoping uh, uh, Table mount, mount and then have it telescope straight down into the spot. Right. That way it's just even quicker. Right. You know, and, and I, I think that uh, specifically would be a change I would make.
1: Yeah, I guess it's the question, too, of like, uh, You know, there's obviously there's always a budget version of something and an expensive version of something. And some things go for the budget version because, you know, it's not going to matter either way. But for other things, spending that extra money and that splurge to make your life more comfortable and easy and accessible is worth it.
0: Yeah, I think that one of the things that we have going on here is Alex definitely likes to keep things a bit cheaper when it comes to certain aspects of stuff. And. I think that we realized on the road that we wish we would have spent the few extra dollars for a few things. Not everything. Right. Like you're saying, not, not everything, but like higher quality products means a higher quality experience. But you got to make sure it's higher quality and not just more money.
1: Yeah. That's and the difference. And too, like if you do buy the shittier version of something and then you realize what's failing and what's breaking – then it makes sense to upgrade to the nicer thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you buy the less expensive version of something and it works just great, then you just save a bunch of money. Well, it's
0: like, for instance, like the heater aspect, like the, the diesel heater compared to like the Chinese diesel one compared to like the Wabasto the or whatever diesel heater. The Chinese diesel heater works just as good, if not better, you know, in, in our opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean you're getting a higher quality product? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that they're made the same way, same chambers, same type of product. Like they're all coming from the same place. Mm -hmm. They're just labeled differently. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Our last question. Thank you guys all for sending these in. We really appreciate it. We appreciate everybody who follows us on Instagram and maybe we're going to do this again. So be sure to come and find us on there at FNA Van Life and You know,
0: I wouldn't say maybe I would say we're definitely gonna do this again.
1: Yeah, I think it was fun. Yeah, definitely a lot of like really interesting questions stuff that we wouldn't have thought of to talk about. for sure.
0: no, because I mean, these are very normal things for us. I feel like, yeah, where for somebody else who's wanting to experience this lifestyle, it might be very foreign. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to be reminded of that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so here's our last question of the day. Do you think you would ever ship your van overseas and travel somewhere abroad?
0: Uh, yes, I would. And I, I don't know if we would ship the van or if we would buy and or rent one. You know what I mean? Like, I think that it's almost less expensive to buy something, live out of it for a while, and then resell it.
1: But then if you look at like Tread the Globe, who are some friends of ours. It's like f-
0: 2500 to five grand each time you ship.
1: Right. But then if you think about it, like for – if you have your van kitted out exactly the way that you want it, you have everything that you need, all of the like specifications and whatever. Like you've dialed your van in to be what you want your van to be for you, your lifestyle, your needs, your loves having that van with you on your adventure abroad would be super fun because like we've looked at, um, like friends of ours, uh, flew to England, bought a van in England, and then they needed to do some renovations, right? So then you buy the van, you spend the money to buy the van, then you spend the money and the time renovating, blah, blah, blah. Then you can start to travel. Right? So then there's like pros and cons. So if you have some more specific needs, Maybe it does make sense just to spend the five grand and ship it.
0: Yeah, I think you're you're right in that incident. Like, I think that it is probably better to ship the van because it's dialed in for exactly what you got and what you want. I think it all depends on how you want to travel that next place.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think if you're like low frills, no frills just go and find something yeah. because it'll be easier to get the vehicle registered. It'll be easier to get it on the road. You Mm -hmm. won't have to like jump through all of these like hoops in terms of like legalities.
0: Well, that's the thing we're not even taking in consideration yet is what does it cost to do all those things as well on top of, you know, just shipping it and Mm -hmm. how long does that take? Also, if you're in a rig that is from that place, you have more time allowed in that place, in that rig. So, like, for instance, when we're driving through the countries in Central America, our van only got one month in each country, basically.
1: Because it was a foreign vehicle.
0: Correct. Where if we would have bought something there or even rented something there, it has unlimited time and you could stay your whole visa. You could stay the 90 days instead. Right. So it's just a matter of how long could your vehicle stay there. Yeah, it was interesting because
1: sometimes our human visa and our vehicle visa didn't line up. Yes, so then you have to look and see, oh, OK, well, my vehicle only has this many days and like you're you got to go.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure that like, you know, it's probably easier to ship your van to, say, Europe and and travel kind of freely with your rig?
1: Mm, Not really, because then you're in the Schengen zone. Well, sure. And so you only have so many months in that area, and then you have to drive kind of far to get out of the Schengen zone and then stay out for a certain number of months, because now you're dealing with, like, the whole visa hopping
0: issue. Well, what I'm saying is, what did Tread the Globe get? They got, like, three months Well, their
1: vehicle is European. Yeah,
0: and they only got three months in the United States because their vehicle is something like that, maybe Mm. even less. I Mm. I just remember that they kind of rushed through the United States because they didn't have... A ton of time. A ton of time.
1: Yeah, I think it's—there's so much more to consider than just, like, going somewhere and having fun. You yeah. know, like, there's all these, like, hoops that you have to jump through and the red tape and the bureaucracy.
0: And I, I will say when you get through the red tape and the bureaucracy, it's amazing because you have your home, you have everything you need. Yeah, it's totally need. worth it. It's, it's just, worth it. It's
1: not as, like, fun and fancy free—
0: Yeah. Then if you just, like, fly out and go spend a week in Bora Bora.
1: You bring your backpack with you (laughs) and you just, like, hop from hostel to hostel.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a different experience, but it's a better experience, in my opinion, at the end of the day because you have the comfort of your home.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and then, too, we have to think about Paco as well, who's our dog. And so just like in traveling Central America, every country, you have to check in the humans, the vehicle, and the dog. So what does that look like? And what are the paperwork required for that? And how do we fly with him? And like all these things.
0: I feel like that's going to be extra interesting in Europe if we do that trip. Because instead of it being like just Espanol it's going to be a different language almost every single border.
1: Right. Like you're like Portuguese, Latin, <laughs> or Italian. Italian,
0: Spanish. Spanish would be like, the, well, and like, okay, like, we, we get this one. <laughs> French, you know, you'll right. be okay with that one. But, mm-hmm. but then like, you know, you have all these German, right. you know, you have all these different languages. Yeah. So that's um, something
1: to consider too. And then, but then also like, then... You know, sometimes you might just want to go for a trip, too. Like, we have friends who've flown to Australia, rented a van in Australia, and then traveled around for two weeks and had a really great experience. And so, Mm -hmm. like, maybe you could try something like that where you just say, okay, I'm going to go to this one spot, New Zealand, Australia, something like that, where it's kind of like, okay, I could spend two months here and just explore. And
0: you know the language.
1: Yeah, and rent a van or whatever. And And then just have a good time.
0: It's also like Australia is set up as a place where they're camping friendly. Right. You know, they're van life friendly. So right. so it's a place where you could go and it's like you'll have all the thrills, you know, without having anything really too negative to deal with when mm-hmm. it comes to van life. Yeah. You know, like the people are accepting of it there. Right. It's kind of like kind of where it popped off, I think, for a bit.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess it just depends on like where you want to go, how long you want to go. Because the other thing, too, is if you only want to go for a month, there's no way that you're going to ship your van. I mean, just the expense of it and all the bureaucracy and blah, blah, blah. Like so much better just to rent something when you're there. You know what I mean? But if you're planning on like going for a year, or more. you know, then it's definitely a good idea to look at shipping your van and all the logistics of that. But so for us, we have always talked about we would love to do a big Euro trip. We would love to do like an Australia, New Zealand trip. I would love to do like an Asia van life thing. I don't know how that would work. Going to Japan, getting a van in Japan. There's so much world to explore that I feel like just limiting ourselves to North America and Central America because that's the only places we can drive.
0: We're kind of doing ourselves a disservice when it comes to the fact that, um, you know, we're not going to these other places yet. But we have to figure out the time and the money and all Mm -hmm. the other logistics around it before we could do it. So uh, we have a we have a couple things we have to get done. Make sure this van's ready to be rented and figure out what we're gonna do next.
1: Yeah, because like, rig wise. If we you don't think, know yet. Yeah, and we've been on the road for so long, like our income is, you know, virtual based. So if we get to a place where the rig is renting out and making us money every month. And so now we've got another income to add to that income spreadsheet. Cause everything comes down to money. I mean, as much as like it's great to like travel and have fun and van life is inexpensive and blah, blah, blah. Like You still need money to do the things
0: Yeah, I wish it wasn't about that But it is, that's the world we live in today So we have to, you know Band together, help each other out You know, in the sense of If you have some type of YouTube channel or something, let us know what it is. We'll definitely come and check it out. Uh, we appreciate you guys' support. Like We feel like we have an amazing community, amazing group of people that really are are here to hear what we have to say, to get the information that we have, and also just to enjoy the entertainment that we give.
1: Yeah, you're so... You just said that so monotone. They enjoy the entertainment that they we
0: give. They enjoy the entertainment that we give. <laughs> uh, no, nah, but like seriously, though, it's, a, it's incredible to just... The opportunities that we have to travel because of you guys just Mm -hmm. like, you know, watching and listening and uh, we're just so thankful for the community that we've created with you um, because you guys are the biggest part of it, honestly. Yeah. You know, we might be out here doing it, but you guys are the ones taking it in
1: with Mm -hmm. us. Yeah. Yeah. Coming on the big adventure. Yeah. And we got another one. Like we said, the next big adventure is coming up. So come and check out the YouTube channel. See what our next big kick is going to be. And yeah, come along for the ride.
0: The video will be live later today. Um, so yeah, we'll, uh, I think it will probably be live around about six o'clock Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Around about that time. So yeah, we, we love you guys. Thank you so much. And uh, we hope that you all have an FNA day. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. all that. Right.